0: We say the dark tried to hide you and steal you away. He did try to keep you inside of the grave. The enemy fought you. He tried, but he lost. You cannot be stopped. We say, when we cry for freedom, when we cry for freedom, you tore down the I'm afraid. stop our God. Let's declare There's nothing that can stop our God. Yeah, we sing. There's nothing that can stop our God. There is nothing. There is nothing. Whatever mountain's you in your way. Come on, sing. There's nothing that can stop our God. If there's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God there is nothing There is nothing we say let your voices There's nothing that can stop our God
1: The full king, broken and shame for all things. the father laid down his son. From darkness to light, death lost to light. so will rise to only
0: More time. give you the highest praise, you deserve it all, you
1: deserve it all, we give you the highest praise, you deserve it all, you deserve
0: it all. Let's give him some praise this morning.
2: You can be seated. Good morning, Selon Fields. How are you doing today? Good. You're looking good today. So so here's what I want you to do. I want you just to turn around and wave to someone. Just kind of wave to them. Now, And then turn around and wave to someone else. See, we're, we're getting to this place at some point in the journey where we'll be able to do more than just wave. We'll be able to handshake and hug. And I'm... Looking forward to that day when, we be able, when we're able to do more of that kind of stuff. But, but a way will just work now. I'm so glad you're here today. My name is James, and I'm the lead pastor here. And I got a couple announcements I have for you. The first thing I want to do is thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing to help us be for Spotsy. I'm so excited to report that we had about 250 of those thank you cards, those notes that we were sending to the staffs of Freedom Middle School and Smith Station Elementary School. And let me say to you, pretty much filled all of them out. We got a couple more left, and we have some blank note cards that do not have names on them. So if you didn't get a chance to go and fill out one of those note cards, we would love for you to do that because we want to be for Spotsy. The other thing I want to thank you for is your investment in the Salem Field Studio. Last week I I did a whole message on vision and an update for our vision for our church. If you did not get a chance to watch that, go to Facebook or go to our online app and I want you to watch that because it will update you on what's going on here vision-wise. Well, I want you to thank you for your investment in the studio, and so I think we got there earlier today, and so I want to thank you for that. Give yourself a round of applause. Because here's the deal. That studio is going to impact FOTC and beyond. All the stuff that we'll record there and the stuff that we will create there will minister to students and to children and to families all around Spotsy. And we're so excited about that. So thank you for that. And thank you for your participation. So there are a couple of things going on. The Brisbane Center, uh, the Brisbane Center decoration is going on. Our students are doing that. So if you're a student, you want to definitely make sure that you take advantage of that. And then Christmas Christmas at the at the fields is going on, and so that's on Friday, December the third, from six thirty to eight thirty p.m. And there's going to just be a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to do a Christmas tree lighting, and then there'll be live music and a live nativity scene and some picture opportunities. And we just want you to be a part of that. And not only do we want you to be a part of it, we want you to bring someone with you. And so that's part of our continuance, uh, continuing to light up tonight this kind of holiday season as we move into Thanksgiving and Christmas. Hey, we want to thank you for your giving. Uh, We give uh, from this perspective of worship. We don't ask you to give just to give. We want you to participate in worship. In fact, Jesus talked a lot about giving. And here's the reason why he talked a lot about giving. Because way back then, in an agricultural kind of society, it was all about what you had and, and if all that we have belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, then giving is just giving back to him what he already owns and that we're stewards of. And so thank you for your giving. You can give on a number of ways. You can give on the offering, kind of an offering kiosk. As you leave here today, you can text SFGIVE to 94000 and can give that way. There are plenty of ways that you can give. But remember, it's all about worship. Thank you. Let me say this to you as your pastor. Thank you for all that you're doing to help us be there for Spotsy. We couldn't do it without you. This is a a group effort. We can't do it without you. Thank you for all you're doing. God bless you today. My prayer is as you sit here today, you would understand that you're not here by accident. That there's a divine, there's a divine, you're part of the divine audience. That God wants to speak to you. God wants to meet you at your point of need today. Maybe you came in here and you said, James, I don't know why I'm here. I got all kinds of stuff going in my life. My life is just a wreck. I'm glad you're here because God wants to meet with you. And so as we continue to worship in the moment, I would, I, I'm just asking you to get into, a, a, get into a, a place of worship. Get into a place of receiving Because God, the Holy Spirit, wants to meet you at your point of need today. And he knows what you need. He knows what your heart is longing for. And he wants to meet you there. So would you stand together and let's continue to worship from our position of receiving from God. Stand with us, please.
0: All throughout my history, your faithfulness walked beside me, the winter storms made way for spring, and every season from where I'm standing, we say, I see of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment, You lead You lead my heart to victory You are my strength Yes, we do. Hold Hold over.
1: to me i see your yes to me in your nail pierced hands i will love you lord and walk in your commands This is more than words, more than a song. It's my life laid down. There's action involved. More than words, more than a song. It's my life laid down. Christ I find it in Jesus Christ and it's my joy this morning, I pray this morning that you would enter this space, enter this room, and fill our hearts with you, Jesus, with more and more of you. I pray that you would tear down any boxes we've tried to put you in, that you would tear down any walls that stand in the way of you and us. I thank you that you're patient, and you're faithful, and you wait for us. You wait for us to meet you there, to meet you halfway, and you wait for our yes, Jesus, I pray this morning that we can give that to you, that we'll give you our yes with our whole lives, not just a piece of it, but everything that we are, everything that we have would be to live and serve you. Jesus, I thank you for bringing us to this space today to worship together, and I pray that it doesn't end here, that we'll go out and worship with our lives and love people the way you love us, Thank you for who you are, who you have been, and who you will be. In your name, amen.
2: So we're so glad you're here today. Uh, Today we have the honor of having uh, Reverend Dr. Jack Connell uh, with us, and he'll be sharing the word with us. Uh, Reverend uh, Connell is the president of East Nazarene College, my alma mater. I think I'm not... uh, overstating the fact that uh, a lot of who I am today has been shaped by East Nazarene College. I went there, I met my wife there of almost 30 years, so that's a good thing. I, uh, I went there as a student, I took a long range plan, five and a half years, some of you will understand that. And, uh, and I went back there to work as an administrator there, director of admissions, and I am presently a trustee at East Nazarene College. Let me tell you a little bit about how missional we are as a church and, and the fact that uh, 15 cents on every dollar that you give to this place leaves here and goes to help ministry happen all over the globe. And a percentage of that goes to East Nazarene College, which is a college uh, in our tribe, our denominational tribe, a college that is our college for this part of uh, our, our region, our field, or whatever. And so East Nazarene College is a college that you have supported through your giving. Uh, Two years ago, as a trustee of East Nazarene College, we were looking for a president. And we we did an extensive search. And God led us to, and I want to say it was a God thing, God led us to Dr. Jack Connell. And it's the best decision that the college has ever made when it comes to a leader. And Jack is just a great, he's been a pastor, he's been an administrator, he's a great preacher, and you're going to enjoy as he talks about real relationships today. Would you give Reverend Dr. Jack Connell a warm Salem Fields welcome as he comes? We have a student at East Nazarene College, and uh, Heaven's mom is out there, Michelle, and so Heaven is a student there at East Nazarene College, and, and Jack will tell you a little bit more about that. God bless you, sir.
3: Thank you, James. That was uh, really nice. That was nicer than what you said about me in the earlier service, but uh, I'll take it in this service. I hope you all know um, what a gift you have in James Hayward as your lead pastor, and I hope you tell him that regularly. What I knew before I came down this morning was that James is a man of great vision, great integrity, great leadership, great insight. Uh, What I did not know prior to coming down here this morning is that he can also do 300 push-ups in a single day. So, James, in every way, I'm not worthy to be in your presence, not worthy to be here. I feel like I'm the scrub quarterback who's coming in for Tom Brady. Am I allowed to say Tom Brady in this town? I don't know, but. But it's an honor, James, thank you for the invitation and honor to be with all of you. And I appreciate uh, worshiping with you this morning and thank you for your partnership with Eastern Nazarene College. My guess is that because of geography, a lot of you perhaps don't know a lot about Eastern Nazarene College, have never been there. Don't worry, the morning is not gonna be a commercial for Eastern Nazarene College. But I do wanna show you just a short commercial, a quick video uh, that'll give you a little bit of a glimpse of who we are. So if we could play that, please, and you could take a look, thank you.
2: How do I want to live my life in this world? Who do I want to be? There's no better set of tools than those that you get from a Christian liberal arts education when you're trying to answer those truly important
3: questions here at Eastern Nazarene College. It's that wonderful combination of outstanding academic preparation with a profound commitment to the Christian faith and to our students.
1: The ANSI community is a community of support. It's small, everyone knows you.
3: We have a unique blend of students here.
2: It makes for a wonderful mix.
1: A lot of us are coming from out-of-state, other countries. Everyone brings their own experiences, their own backgrounds. ANC provides a good opportunity to grow spiritually, make new friends, long-lasting connections.
3: Students are mutually supportive. The faculty
2: here, they truly invest in you as a person as well what you will get is one-on-one attention. With the small class sizes, everyone's involved. We make students active participants in their own education. And our faculty encourage them to step
3: outside that classroom. You have access to the entire Boston area.
1: With Boston being so close, going into the city is a lot easier. Being so close to Boston is an opportunity finding internships, experience.
3: Boston is the global hub of higher education, and the resources of the city are just world class.
1: This place has so much to provide. Going to sporting events is a very big community thing.
3: It brings everybody together. The
0: athletics department in general is a family. The coach is amazing. If I need anything, they're always there. The collegiate experience in athletics pushes you and helps you grow. As a student
3: athlete, I feel incredibly supported.
0: That's something that's cool about our campus and our students is we see each other's passions and we support them.
3: Our students here genuinely want to serve God and serve the world and make a difference.
1: We are called to serve others as
0: if we are serving God.
3: The way people
0: care for each other, I really like that. By people
3: investing in me, I've taken steps outside of my comfort zone. I'm
0: in a place where I can succeed, where I can grow. You left your family when you left home, but this is also your second family. It's been a
1: wonderful experience. I've learned a ton.
0: You will find your voice. You will find your faith.
2: You will find a place here that is for you.
3: That beach, beach, by the way, is about a quarter mile from campus, so not bad. So thank you again for your financial support. Thank you for sending your students to us. How can you not love a student named Heaven? I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, If you'd like to learn more about the school, we have a table out in the lobby. Mark Brown, who's our director of church relations, is also here, so the two of us will be happy to interact with you and answer your questions. And uh, thank you again for the invitation, James, and end of commercial. Uh, back in the 1970s, a guy named Richard Daly was the mayor of Chicago, and he was known as a really tough, demanding guy to work for. One day, his uh, speechwriter came into his office and asked Daly for a raise. And Daly said to the guy, there is no way in the world I'm giving you a raise. He said, you make more than enough money already, and it should be enough for you that you get to work for a great American hero like me. And he dismissed the guy with a wave of his hand, and that was the end of that. A couple weeks later, Mayor Daley was giving a speech to a large convention of veterans. It's going to be a major speech, lots of media attention, because at this occasion, Mayor Daley was going to be rolling out a set of initiatives to provide assistance to veterans. Now, one of the things that Mayor Daley was known for was not reviewing his speeches before he read them. He would just come to the podium, open up the notebook, and read whatever was in front of him. James does this every Sunday morning. He has a speechwriter who does these beautiful sermons. So, no, not the case at all. So, it was the case for Mayor Daly, though. So, he comes to the podium, opens up the notebook begins to read his speech the speech begins he talks about how proud he is of the nation's veterans how concerned he is for their well-being how we have a moral obligation to care for our veterans it was a wonderfully inspiring beautifully crafted speech and then he said so today i am unveiling a comprehensive plan to care for our veterans it's a 17 point plan that includes city state and federal governments and An ambitious plan, and everybody was real eager to see what that plan would be, including the mayor himself. So he turned the page of his speech, and on the next page, he saw only these words, you're on your own now, you great American hero. Most of us like to think of ourselves as self-sufficient, self-reliant, pretty independent people. When our oldest son was three or four years old and I would be a little bit too helpful to him, he would get frustrated with that and say, Daddy, I can do this by self. And most of us are wired that way. Even our nation, as I flew into Washington DC last night, saw the Washington Monument, even our nation is founded on a declaration of independence after all. But if there's one thing I hope we've learned, I think we've learned over these last 18 months, it's what Mayor Daly learned in that moment at his speech. We need each other. Our lives are deeply interconnected with one another. During the pandemic, you probably spent, I know I spent more time alone over the last 18 months or so than I have at any other time in my life. Hunkered down in our homes or apartments by ourselves much of the time, When we would dare to go outside, we'd have to swerve around people to keep six or eight feet of social distance. Meetings by Zoom, church by Zoom, Thanksgiving and Christmas by Zoom, a friend of mine getting rich because he works for Zoom, and yet I think and hope and pray, he's going to give a really nice gift to Eastern Nazarene College one of these days, he just doesn't know that yet. But I think what we've learned out of this time is that we're learning again how much we need each other how important our relationships really are. And the quality and health of those relationships is key, it's central, I think, to the quality of everything else about our lives. If I were to ask you to name the top things that give you most joy in your life, that fill you up like nothing else does, I would guess that pretty near the top of that list you would have relationships, right? But if I were also to ask you, what drains you like nothing else does? What depletes you like nothing else does? What tempts you to drink non-Nazarene beverages like nothing else does? (laughs) My guess is that also right at the top of that list would be the same thing, relationships. When our relational world is going well, life is good. When our relational world is struggling, Life feels like a train wreck pretty quickly. So quick poll, how many of you would say you have at least one significant relational challenge going on in your life right now? Okay. How many of you are sitting next to the person who's the problem? Like, don't you dare raise it. Somebody in the first service, oh yeah, yeah. So for the next few moments, and I noticed this clock at the back of the room is really something. I now have 25 minutes and 30, 29 seconds to finish. So for the next 25 minutes and 25 seconds or so, I'd like you to think about your relational world. Think about your family, your friends, your co-workers, people in this church. Think about that person who is maybe at the center of your relational challenge right now, that difficult person in your life. And keep those people in mind as we look at a small portion of the book of Colossians, which the Apostle Paul, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, where Paul gives us a bit of a road map for navigating our relationships, for making them healthier and stronger. And so, here's the word of the Lord. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I view this passage as a kind of progression, as a series of qualities or steps that build upon one another. And since I work at a college, I like to think of this passage as sort of freshman-level curriculum, sophomore-level curriculum, junior-level curriculum, and then finally the senior-level curriculum in relating to the people that God has put in our lives. And so let's walk, well, no, we don't have time to walk. Let's run through this curriculum that God gives us about relationships. So freshman-level, course 101, easy stuff. Paul says, just relate to people with compassion and kindness. Just relate to people with compassion and kindness. A few years ago, I came home late one night after teaching an evening class. It's about 10 o'clock or so. Uh, Found the whole house uh, quiet, lights off. But when I came into the house and turned on the light in the kitchen, um, I saw that the kitchen was an absolute wreck. I mean, there were dirty dishes in the sink and over-the-counters, and I had four kids, and so the kitchen was a mess. And so I took up, you know, 20 minutes or so and cleaned up that mess the whole time, thinking to myself thoughts like, um, sure, family, go ahead and sleep. (laughs) Sweet dreams, everyone. I don't mind. I'll work from 7 in the morning until 10 at night. I'll work a 15-hour day and then I'll come home and clean up your mess. Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Didn't apply to me, apparently, so I'll just keep slugging it out here. That sort of thing, just pity party for 20 minutes or so as I'm cleaning up the kitchen. I walk upstairs to go to bed and find that my wife Wendy is in bed But actually, there's a little light on next to the bed and she's reading a book and sipping a cup of tea. And I say to her, Wendy, what are you doing? Now I'm not looking for information here, I'm not gathering data, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I know what she's doing. What I mean is, how come you're in bed reading a book and sipping tea when there was a room full of dirty dishes downstairs? I mean, what's going on here? Which led to, um, let's just call it a really fascinating discussion um, about about gender roles in marriage, about division of labor sort of assignments, Uh, our families of origin, our respective mothers got involved in the conversation as well. I'm not gonna bore you with the whole thing, except for to say that I was a jerk and ended up sleeping on the couch that night, and my teenage son woke me up the next morning with these words, Dad, do you need any help with Mom? <laughs> and I said, no, I can do this by self. So, I mean, what exactly was my problem here, right? I mean, take, take 15 or 20 minutes, clean up some dishes, and then go upstairs and celebrate the fact that my busy, exhausted wife was taking a few moments to read a book and have a cup of tea before she goes to bed. But no, that's entirely too much to ask of me, apparently. That's way beyond what I'm somehow able to do. And into the selfishness and the pettiness and the insensitivity of our daily interactions with one another, God says, you know, freshman level, excuse me, freshman level, 101, just treat each other with kindness. Just treat each other with compassion, just as God has been so kind and compassionate to you. Shortly after I moved uh, to Boston a couple years ago, I was in line at a Dunkin' Donuts because there's... Dunkin' Donuts on just about every corner in Boston. It made my heart warm to see one a mile or so down the road here. So thank you for helping me feel at home. But I was in line at a Dunkin'. And uh, the gentleman in front of me paid for his order with a gift card. And then turned around and handed the gift card to me and said, there's a few bucks left on this. Do you want to use this for your order? I said, yes, thank you. And where are you going to lunch? And do you mind if I stand behind you in line at lunch so you can help me? (laughs) with my lunch as well. So, just a small act of kindness, but made my day. And here I am two years later still talking about it in Virginia. I read an article a couple weeks ago. It was like a a leadership type article. It was about a corporate CEO who uh, is very diligent to be the first one to get into his office every morning when he possibly can. But it's not because he's trying to prove to everybody what a workaholic he is or how we all need to be working harder and faster and all of that. Do you know why he does that? It's so that he can make the coffee for everybody else who's... his colleagues and teammates who are going to be coming in a little bit later that morning. And his people love him. And they run through walls for him. Just because he leads with kindness. It does not require... I come from a college, but... It doesn't require a Ph.D. in clinical psychology to figure out what in the world this means. I did not have, I have a degree in biblical studies. I did not have to do any heavy-duty Greek exegesis to figure out what the Apostle Paul is saying here. This is just real simple. Freshman-level, relationships 101. God says, you know what? I've been kind to you. Has God been kind to you? He's yeah. been kind to me. And God says, so now why don't you just turn around and extend that kind of kindness. Just dial up the kindness a little bit to the people in your life, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your coworkers, the people in this church, that difficult person that you wanted to raise your hand about a few moments ago. This is small stuff. This is freshman level. But it makes a big difference in the quality of our relational worlds. Sophomore level, let's take it up a step relationships to one, Paul says, is to clothe ourselves with humility. Muhammad Ali uh, was a great boxing champion in the 1960s and 70s. Many of you remember that name, I'm sure. He was not known to be an especially humble person. Do you remember his signature line? I'm the greatest. Or oh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, right? Was one. This other one was, I'm the greatest. And he said it often, and he clearly believed it uh, with all of his heart. One day, he was on a commercial airline flight and he refused to put on his seatbelt. The flight attendant came by to him and said, "Uh, Mr. Ali, I'm sorry, I know who you are, but we really need you to put on the seatbelt. Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which the flight attendant replied, Superman don't need no airplane. (laughs) Pride is the oldest sin in the book. The tempter came to Eve and said, you do this, you'll be like God. And ever since that time, Eve and Muhammad Ali and you and me, we've all been doing battle with pride. We've all been dealing battle with putting ourselves in God's place. It's pride, for example, that has us convinced that our viewpoint on every debatable topic is the right one. So I'm going to meddle now for just a couple, because I've been watching the news, and Virginia's been in the news a little bit lately. But it's not just about Virginia, it's about our whole culture. Have you noticed how, I'm sure you have, how angry and polarized and divisive everything is? It's, there's so much meanness, so much hostility, uh, so much name-calling. It's like a junior high food fight out there. And that's just among us Christians, right? <laughs> and part of the reason why, part I don't want to oversimplify this, but... Part of the reason why is our tendency to hold on to our opinions about politics or race or the vaccine or whatever it is with a death grip to think that we have the opinion that we do because, of course, our opinion comes straight from the mind of God. But humility, among other things, involves understanding then that when it comes to the complexities of our world, and when it comes to the mysteries of the things of God, I might not have every single answer. My insight is limited. My experience is limited. My vantage point is limited. And so maybe just maybe, on any number of topics, maybe more topics than I would care to admit, Um, four little words are true. Can I give you these four little words? These are four little words I would love to hear a lot more often in our culture these days. Um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Why don't we just practice those four little words a little bit, okay? Could Could we as a group just say those four words out loud? Ready? Let's do it. I could be wrong. Yeah. How'd that feel? Doesn't feel good. Some of you perhaps have never before heard that that exact sequence of sounds come out of your mouth. Some of you are digging for your medication right now because you're feeling like something doesn't feel right here in this room. Let's take it one step further. Why don't you turn to the person next to you, some person near you, and say to them those same words. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, just turn to them and say, I could be wrong. You don't. Now, now some of you are responding by saying, yeah, you are, and actually I'd like to, no, don't do that. I'm not asking you even, by the way, to believe it. Just, we're just practicing saying the words, okay? okay? But a little humility about our opinions would go a long way in our relationships, and in our culture, and in our world, I think. And the fact that we're unwilling to go there, it's rooted in pride. You understand I'm not taking aside. you all hear my heart on this? It's pride that causes us to find fault with people. A friend of mine recently posted this on Facebook. I'm not judgmental. I just have excellent assessment skills. But if you are one of those people, i lived most of my life in upstate New York, and I know they're in New York. I live now in Massachusetts. I know they're in Massachusetts. I don't know if these type of people are in Virginia or not. But if you're one of those type of people who have the spiritual gift of discernment when it comes to what's wrong with everybody else, and the spiritual gift of total blindness about your own flaws and faults and ways in which you are sin-stained, that's rooted in pride. It just is. It's pride that causes us to talk more than we listen. It's pride that causes us to think we're the smartest person in the room. It's pride that causes us to be oblivious to the needs of others. It's pride that causes us to think that Boston is the best sports city on the planet. Well, that one's actually just true, but no. And so the invitation of God is to live with this quality called humility which is not to think that we're worthless or to think that we're no good or to think that we don't have skills and gifts and talents we're all made in the image of God we're all fearfully and wonderfully made humility is simply to be not so preoccupied with ourselves and so preoccupied with our agenda and so preoccupied with our opinions and to be a little bit more mindful of one another that's sophomore level 201 humility The junior level, relationships 301, is to bear with each other. And the idea here is simply to accept people, to put up with people, even when they drive you crazy. I will never forget the first time I saw my wife, Wendy, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are important to me. I have one almost every day at lunch. you know, it is the perfect meal, right? Can, we, can I get an amen? Um, we were newlyweds. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch one day. And I watch as Wendy spreads the peanut butter on one slice of bread. Okay, we're off to a good start. She spreads the jelly on the other slice of bread. We're off to a, we're continuing down a good pathway. And then she proceeds to eat the slices of bread separately one at a time now everybody knows everybody in the world knows that is not how God intended peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to be eaten right the peanut butter and jelly have to come in contact with each other they have the magic happens when they touch each other right 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 I mean the Bible is very clear about this and when I saw her eating her peanut butter and jelly sandwich this wrong way, I wondered, how, I mean, I, how could I have missed this when we were dating? <laughs> I wonder if she'll teach our children to do this. This could have generational consequences. But after a few attempts early on in our marriage to try to convince Wendy that she was eating peanut butter and jelly, this wrong, dysfunctional, unbiblical, godless way um, I came to the realization that she's going to go to her grave doing just that and I'm just going to have to accept her and her peanut butter and jelly dysfunction (laughs) just the way that she is friends you have some people in your life who make their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the wrong way maybe they're chronically late or they talk too much or they're too liberal, or they're too conservative, or they're too messy, or too uptight, or they have bad manners, or bad taste in music, or bad hair, or bad clothes, or bad breath. I don't know. But newsflash, friends, people are imperfect. People are flawed. Sometimes people are just really weird. (laughs) Newsflash number two, so are you. So are you. So am I. And so the Apostle Paul says, just bear with people. Overlook some stuff. Don't make everything such a big deal. Accept people for the flawed, imperfect, quirky, weird people that they are. Just as God, through Jesus Christ, has accepted you for the flawed, imperfect person that you are. And then the senior level, the 401 level. This is the hardest one. It's that when people hurt us or betray us or disappoint disappoint us, which, by the way, is is completely inevitable because everybody's flawed, right? We're going to get hurt. The Apostle Paul says that we are to forgive them as the Lord forgave you. Do you know how in public gatherings like concerts or movies or worship services like this one, there are certain things we're not supposed to do because they are discourteous to the people around us. You know what these are. Things like talking out loud in the middle of the event or forgetting to turn off your cell phone and taking a call, crawling all over people three or four times, excuse me, you know, to go to the bathroom and coming back and then doing it again, coming back, doing it again, booing the guy who's speaking, never acceptable making out with your girlfriend, uh, making out with someone else's girlfriend. These are violations, these are violations of common courtesy um, in public gatherings like this one. They're just rude to the people around us. But one day Jesus was teaching, it's in his Sermon on the Mount, and his, in his message he gives people permission to break one of those rules. He tells people that there's one situation where even if it's in the middle of a worship service, Even if it's in the middle of James's sermon, even if it's in the middle of when you are receiving communion together, in the most holy, sacred moment of a worship service, Jesus says you are to get up, pack up all your stuff, crawl over as many people as you need to, say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, and leave right in the middle of it. And do you know what the one situation is that Jesus says warrants that kind of discourteous behavior? He says, if you have a relationship with someone that's gone sideways, if you have a relationship with someone that's marred by hostility or resentment or lack of forgiveness, Jesus says, you get up right in the middle of the worship service and you go make it right. Jesus says if you're in the middle of the service and realize you might miss the kickoff of the big game, that's okay, you'll see the second half. If the music or the sermon isn't to your liking, that's okay, God can speak to you anyway. If you remember that your lunch is set too high in the oven, that's okay, just consider that as a burnt offering unto the Lord. But if you're in the middle of a worship service and you remember that there is resentment or bitterness between you and someone else, Jesus says you get right up in the middle of it And you crawl over whoever you need to crawl over and you go and make things right. There is this urgency about forgiveness throughout scripture because grinding away in so many of our lives is this wheel of hostility and bitterness and unforgiveness. And it's toxic. It's toxic to the other person It's toxic to the relationship, it's toxic to the entire community, and it's also toxic to us. As Anne Lamont said, not forgiving someone is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. And so the Apostle Paul says to us in this passage, you have been on the receiving end of the greatest grace deal in history. You've been on the receiving end of the greatest forgiveness deal the world has ever known. God, through Jesus Christ, no longer holds anything that you have done against you. And now the ask is, will we turn around and extend that same kind of mercy and forgiveness to the people in our lives who have hurt us? To stop punishing them. To allow grace to have the final word. And it's hard but our relational world will never be healthy absent that. Uh, As James mentioned, I was a local church pastor for uh, many years, 19 years actually, which means I had the privilege many, many times of being with people in their final moments, final days, final hours, sometimes in a hospital, sometimes in a nursing home, uh, sometimes right in their home. And do you know what I would imagine dozens of times over the years I had that privilege. Do you know what never happened not once in those moments? I never had the person who was uh, dying say to me something like, "Uh, Jack, thank you for coming. Could you please go back to my house and get my resume? I want to just look one more time at all of my professional accomplishments. I never had anybody say to me one time, Jack, could you go on the company website and get the org chart and bring that to me? Because I want to just admire again how cla- how high I climbed on the corporate ladder. I never had anybody say to me one time, Jack, could you go uh, back to my office, my home office, and get my financial statements and bring me a calculator? Because I'm just wondering what is my net worth, and I want to calculate that one more time. Never had anybody ask to get their golf clubs so they could practice their backswing one more time. Never had anybody ask me to go get their 65 Mustang and pull it up outside so they could look at it one more time. Do you know what the ask always is in those moments? Always, always, always. It's about people. It's about, can you get my wife? Can you call my kids? can you bring my small group from church over? Because in those last moments of our lives, it's almost like we get sane. It's like the scales fall from our eyes and we remember what's really important, what really matters. And you know what it is? It's people. It's the relationships that God has given to us. Friends, let's not wait until our deathbeds to get this right. Let's not get preoccupied with resumes and net worth and hobbies, not that any of those are bad things necessarily, but they're not what's most important. It's the people in your life who God has given you. Your spouse, if you're married, your family, your friends, your small group, your coworkers, the people in this church, yes, even that difficult person. And I invite you to follow the curriculum. Just dial up by the power of the Spirit, Kindness and compassion. Be a person of humility and graciousness. Bear with people and forgive them as the Lord has forgiven you. We're not made to do this life by self. We need one another. May God give you grace to love the people in your life as God has loved you. Gracious God, I thank you for these friends this morning. I thank you for the relationships that each one of them has. And I pray that as every person here uh, seeks to live in vital union with you, would you give us grace by your spirit to build relationships that will be honoring to you and will bring great joy to our lives. Help us to know what we should do today, what next step we should take. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
2: Bless you. Let's give him a round. And he finished on time. (laughs) Hey, uh, we were created. 50 seconds okay left. okay <laughs> <laughs> um, we were created to belong. What a great way to end our, our real relationship series. We didn't know about that and, and uh, we just I just prayed as you listen today. That God would grace you and help you to live just that way. Hey, Jack will be outside with Mark Brown. And if you have any questions by East Nazarene College, he would be glad to ask, answer any of those questions. And uh, if you want to talk with him, he'll be out front as well. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for all that you're doing uh, to be for Spotsy. And so as you go today, God bless you and uh, God go with you. Have a great day.